Welcome back to the Act 2 podcast, a podcast for the real-life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. And I'm Josh Hallman. And before we launch into our awesome interview today, just please remember to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on any of our upcoming topics. Give us a rating, write a comment. If you'd rather DM us, you can with questions or topic suggestions, or you just want to heckle Josh. You can reach out to us at act2writers at gmail.com, and that's all spelled out, or on our Instagram at act2writers. Uh, you can also find me, Tasha, on Instagram at Story Thursday and on Twitter at Tasha3.0. And you can find me, uh, Josh Hallman, on Instagram and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Forgot who yeah. you were for a second. <laughs> I, I was, yeah. All right. Today we are talking to Adrian Vigna and Allison Philobos. Did I say both of your last names right? Yes. Yeah. I realize I've never said Adrian's name out loud. Yeah, no, you. <laughs> I, I, put, I put the Enya there on the, on the thing just in case. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Allison and Adrian are two alums of the Disney ABC TV writing program. And so we're going to talk to them about what that was like and the effects it's had on their careers. But first of all, because I always forget this step and Josh has to interrupt me. Welcome. Thank you so much. Yeah. Hi. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Tasha just goes, she's straight to business. She I doesn't just, care. Uh, yeah. Same, same. Just go. <laughs> I could sit here uh, all night. <laughs> First off, I want to sort of introduce you to everyone. So tell us a little bit about your stories, just kind of where you guys are both from, if you went to film school, sort of how your process to get to LA and into the entertainment industry sort of happened. I'm sure that's a long story, but <laughs> let's oh, start no. there. We, we got it down to a minute. That's. Uh, <laughs> I'm not doing my minute. Pitch. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not either. That's a that's a whole thing in the program. But um, the real sort of brief version is I'm. I'm my name is Adrian Vigna. I'm from South Texas originally. I, I did go to film school. I went to the, uh, SMU in Dallas, Southern Methodist, and then I I came out here pretty much right after that. Um, and I've lived out here for almost 20 years, and I, you know, I just did the grind for a long time. Worked uh, assistant jobs and. Um, various things. I worked for writer director for a long time. I worked for literary management company. Anyways, and then eventually I got a, a movie uh, set up at a company called Alcon. It and then eventually I, it was there for a while. Didn't get made. Went to Nickelodeon. Did get made. And I, it, which was crazy because it wasn't really a kids movie. It was more like, uh, like a super bad type movie, you know, like, but they liked the concept and everything. And so I just did a lot of work on it with them. You know, they have a very sort of, um, parameters that they work with. And so I just, and then, uh, and then it was a big hit for them. It was called Liar Liar Vampire. And so I did a couple more movies for them. And then I wanted to sort of transition into, uh, staffing because I wanted a career and that, that was like a little more like uh can i interrupt for a second because yeah. why wasn't writing movies for nickelodeon a sustainable career uh well i mean just movies in general well josh does it i guess <laughs> but hey you know, <laughs> it's hard to especially like kids movies and stuff like that there's only a few sort of markets uh, arenas that you can even sort of work in you know, and they only make a couple movies a year, you know, so Nick makes four, maybe, maybe movies a year. Disney Channel makes four or five, you know, and then there's a couple other ones that, that, that pop up. So if you don't necessarily hit one of those, if you don't get one, then, you know, 
then you know you're pretty much sort of out in the cold for for a year you have to figure out you know, I, I mean i did three movies for nickelodeon in three years and two of them got made so i had a really good sort of track record but then you know one one time it doesn't work and then you're like oh wait <laughs> what am i doing now and then you know i see everybody else that's like you know obviously people have a little more sort of consistency in in staff work and stuff like that uh, so that was really sort of attractive to me. And so that's what I want to do. But, you know, it's super hard to get into that. You know, it's sort of this idea of like, oh, I have all these credits and blah, blah, blah. I should. But it was very, very difficult to even sort of even with all the other stuff to to make that transition. That's why I was like, I uh, applied for the Disney television program and I was able to get in. Um, and I also wanted to move into uh genre stuff and so I actually got in with a really sort of dark murdery drama <laughs> with monsters in it <laughs> so because I wanted to uh, you know because I, I wanted to sort of show the, a, uh, a span of what I could do transition out of kids stuff and and show you could do live action and adult and yeah yeah Allison what about you I am from Corona, California, which is in uh, Riverside County, so not LA, it's in Southern California. And I did not go to film school. I did learn a lot about the industry through my internships that I did while I was in school um, because there was no film program or anything that had to do with Hollywood or the industry. So that's how I learned. And I'm trying to copy Adrian, but I'm blanking. I basically, the, when I came out to LA, I was in New York and I was uh, interning at 20th Century Fox. They used to have this book to film department and I was also interested in features. And so when I realized that I was just, I didn't have the gumption to be a features writer, I say, I'm sucking up to Josh. Tell I... the, black, the blackout story. There was a step no. in there. Tell <laughs> What? I, I, okay, sorry, just a brief thing. So I have no connection to the industry whatsoever. Like a lot of people probably listen to this podcast and I, it was never something that was in my line of sight of, you know, anything I was going to do. I wanted to be a journalist. I quickly realized it was too much of a gossip to be a journalist. I just wanted to like do features and talk shit with people and write. And that's just not journalism. It's, it's much more sophisticated. And so I was in a rut when I was in New York and then um, Hurricane Sandy happened there was a blackout in our apartment and everyone was basically like, we have to evacuate to where, you know, there's power. There's not going to be power for the next week or so. And so I am from California. We don't know anything other than like a shake from an earthquake. I didn't bring any shit with me. I didn't bring like a hamburger helper, like a change of clothes, but I brought like every like snobby indie DVD that I owned in one of those like geeky zip cases and a phone charger. And so I got to shelter and, I put my um, emergency bag down, which was just that. And then someone was like, whose DVDs are these? Like at this place we were taking shelter, which was my roommate's ex-boyfriend's apartment. This random person was there and he happened to work at Focus Features and he took notice of all my DVDs. And then we got to talking and he connected me to HR so I could apply for an internship and that's how I got in the industry. How do you not not tell that story? <laughs> um, because of how long that was. I was watching the clock. But um, No, I, I yeah. feel like this, this ex-boyfriend, he got you in the industry. This is a crucial human in your life. To be clear, he got me to the apartment to the person who got me into the industry. He didn't oh. do shit for me. So <laughs> Fuck um, that guy. Keep yeah. going. Um, <laughs> But yeah, no, that, I, so, you know, that's just to say it was not anything I ever thought I was going to be able to do growing up because I was like, you have to be related to Conan O'Brien to be a writer or go to Harvard, neither which I did, so, or am. So 
yeah, I eventually realized I wasn't going to be able to do features or stay in New York, which at the time was basically Lena Dunham and Late Night. And so I moved out here to LA, back to Southern California. I was very sad to do that because I love New York. But um, yeah, then just did the assistant thing for a long time and then applied to the Walt Disney Television Writing Program. And yeah, that's how I'm here. Those are great and very different stories, which I always love to hear. Yeah, me too. All right, so I'm going to tell you what I know about this Disney writing program, and you tell me if I am completely off the mark or if I nailed it. It is a program that anyone can apply to. No experience required, no manager or agent required. You just apply. It's based off of probably, I'm guessing, like a spec script that you write, meaning something that's original, maybe also potentially an additional script that's like, uh, you know, you do an episode of one of their shows and you, you get in and it's a, I don't know, six month program maybe. And as part of it, they kind of guarantee, hey, you're going to end up uh, staffed on one of our shows. and We're going to train you how to do that. And that's it. That's what I know. Ish. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> close. -ish. Close. All right. <laughs> well, there are elements there that are that are correct. I mean, I, I think anybody can apply for it. I don't know if it's international or not, uh, but you don't need um, uh, any sort of representation or anything. You apply with, um, now it's two original specs. Before in the past, it was one of their shows, like you said, or, or whatever, I, I think. And then as well as you have to write different sort of like brief essays and stuff like that. I think what Adrian didn't cover is it's a year-long contract. It's not six months. So you're with them for a year. Although the bulk of the activity in the program is in the beginning first few months, um, not counting staffing. And something that's super clear on their website, but I thought was just them doing a winky wink, but um, they, it's not, you're not guaranteed staffing. They let us know that from the get go. Um, so it's a lot more about prepping you for the room, you know, you know, introducing you to people you could take generals with and how to conduct yourself as a writer and how your experiences can inform your writing. So um, it's a lot more about that and staffing instead of just staffing. Gotcha. Well, we'll get into those details um, later because I feel like I've that brought up a lot of questions for me. But let's start with how you even heard about the Disney ABC program because you both have such different stories. Adrian, you're already in the business. Allison, you are totally not knowing about how the system works at all. So how did you guys hear about it? I mean, I guess I, I had sort of heard about it just sort of you know, in the ether and generally for a while now. I, I might have even applied a couple of years ago. I, I can't specifically remember, but uh, I think that it, it was just like, you know, I was trying to, again, like trying to figure out how to sort of break into this sort of staffing thing, which was being very elusive. And when I saw this, I was like, wait, I still qualify for this. Like, you know, let's, let's try to jump in here. And I sort of, I was like, all right, and I, it's one of these things where you, I filled out all the stuff and did the things and it was like a big deal for like a week and then you, you know, completely forget about it. I knew about this program uh, when I realized that I wasn't going to have a traditional like connection to a writer's room. Once I started to learn about the industry, I was so focused on programs and what I could apply to. And I just had no confidence in myself because I didn't have like this super interesting backstory, like the people with all their cool bios about like working for the FBI. And I'm like, I didn't even make my middle school basketball team. I don't have anything to offer. I'm not going to apply. And so I knew about it. Um, 
basically from people that I interned with, um, they were always talking about applying to them, but I only got the courage to apply because I really can't face rejection the year that I applied. So I had applied to like a Nickelodeon program before that, but I always knew about it as an assistant because I always saw it as like a lifeboat if I didn't see um, a straight path to staffing. Did you have a plan if you did not get accepted? I didn't think I was getting accepted. So the only plan I had was to not get accepted. I, um, sorry, I was going to keep applying. I was, um, I was going to keep applying to that. And I also was going to try to start taking, um, generals with the studios and just getting to know the people who actually staff writers or recommend writers to showrunners because I was an assistant with, uh, what was then 20th century Fox, Fox 21. And so, um, I was like, okay, I need to start meeting with these people, letting them know I'm a writer. I'm not working in develop. I don't want to work in development, which is the traditional route when you usually work there on the entertainment side. And so, uh, yeah, that was going to be my plan was just keep going. That was, and keep writing. That's great because we, we talk about programs and festivals and all these things pretty often. And it, it's bad if you put all your eggs in one basket, you know, and I, we all know someone who's done that before, but yeah, you just have to keep going because we've all been rejected a million times. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Even if you make it to, you know, semi-finalist, finalist, that's still something and that's still something to be very proud of and you're still on someone's radar. So that's something I had a couple of friends who applied this year and they made it to, se one made it to semi-finalist, one to finalist. And they were of course bummed that they get in, didn't get in as I would have been, but you're still on someone's radar. You still made it that far and you know exactly what to expect next time, so. Yeah, like similar to Alice, I. You know, at every step of the way, I assumed it was the last step up until like the phone, even after the phone call, I was like, well, now, like the whole like imposter thing, like, it's like now they're going to they're going to figure this out at some point. Now that you guys have been through the program and sort of met the other people, obviously, who are in the same year as you, why do you feel like they chose you? You guys both sort of felt like you weren't going to get chosen. What do you feel like it was about you guys that made them really respond and really think that you are the right people for this job? Don't be shy. You can say you are better than them. Just go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, uh, something that, you, that you're already touching on is that they really sort of curate a group that, uh, you know, uh, complements each other in ways and that doesn't necessarily compete with each other or overlap, uh, I, not necessarily can be, because you can go up for the same job, but your your skill sets and your backgrounds make it so that like you're not totally competing. So like the idea is if they choose one person over over you, it's because they had something that uh, that the that the showrunner or whatever was looking for. It's not necessarily a reflection on on you or whatever it's just like we have completely different you know alice and i have completely different backgrounds or whatever there's something that that in allison's background or her writing style or whatever that connected with this particular you know person or whatever that that wasn't necessarily with me it's not necessarily a, a bad mark on me i think for me it was because and not to say that the other finalists weren't hustlers but i was so clearly to them like I'm gonna do this no matter what so if you don't accept me that's your problem like I was so not this was not what I was depending on and I think that already they were like happy about that and also because all of my scripts have a very you guys were talking about this in your last podcast I think um the voice in my script everybody always talks about that and I'm I think that it's something that I developed over the years it's not something I came out the gate with when I started writing my scripts I 
um, really developed that. I really had to learn to have a handle on my backstory and how that informed my writing, not just writing for other people, hoping to fit in somewhere, you know? So I think for me, it was a combination of the voice in my writing and I guess because I I was I went into it kind of like this is who I am. You could be cool with it. If not, like it's fine. I'll go somewhere else. I I tried to be um, I don't know. I I just tried to think of it that way instead of going into it super you know desperate. I think that's so important because what's interesting is you. I mean, I guess I wouldn't put the word desperate to it, but like you said, you didn't. It's not like you had a plan B immediately all set up. And you were you were an assistant and you just knew that you you could take care of it. I guess, and that confidence probably came through. I will definitely say that when I look at writers to hire, that's very much a thing that that you you catch whether or not you're like going and looking for it or not. It's just a sense that you pick up from someone is that they believe in their voice. They know they have a unique one, and it's kind of like up to you to see it or not. There's not an ego there. It's it's just a it's just a sense that they give off that's very confident, and I think everyone will respond to that because they're looking for uniqueness as we talked about in our voice episode is they're they're just looking for that special someone and you're right adrian i i would assume if i was the exec reading these applications so many of them are going to sound the same and then whoa adrian sounds different whoa allison sounds different and they're so different from each other that's great they're not going to overlap when we try to staff them at a show (laughs) like they're gonna i know where i can place them so yeah i can see that absolutely being the thought process there You guys obviously have talked about your writing experience up to this point of the application, but can you guys talk about, did you have managers or agents at this time yet? No, absolutely not. I didn't. I, I will say, sorry, I say absolutely not because um, no one wanted to rep me. So I'm not trying to act like, oh, like I was turning people away. I was overwhelmed with requests. I wasn't on anyone's radar. I wasn't doing, you know, submitting to people, sending cold emails. I was just very focused on getting to the next step, whether that was the program or, you know, getting my scripts in front of, you know, people who work in development at wherever I would have gone. Um, and then to me, the manager, which is what I ended up doing, my I got the, I wanted to get the manager at the end of my first writing job um, to help me navigate out of the program or out of my first job. Nice. I, I had a manager. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I want to stick on this one for a second, because Adrian, you said that it was very hard for you to get into TV, even though you had all of these Nickelodeon successes, but you also had a manager. So I'm very curious, like why you felt it was so hard to get into a room when you had the success and you had a man, like speaking to other people who have this very similar problem. Uh, can you kind of just talk about that a little bit and why you felt like you had to go and kind of do this thing on your own? I think the most sort of challenging part is actually the uh, getting in front of the showrunner uh, element of of staffing, you know, like a manager and stuff. uh, They can putting you in front of executives or like generals or production companies and stuff like that. That's sort of par for the course. That's that's a little bit easier. But if they don't have a relationship with, you know, whatever sort of random showrunners that's coming up or whatever, getting you that sort of FaceTime is... um, uh, can be can be difficult um, or it can be can be challenging and so like you know so I, I I felt the need to sort of have to put myself out there and be and and put myself in front of you know the people who are actually doing the the ultimate hiring and and stuff like that and and e- even though I had these credits or whatever a lot of times those didn't to certain showrunners didn't necessarily translate to he'll be good in a room like he'll be good he like working on movies and stuff like that the, they'll be like 
yeah, he's good in his own room, like by himself, you know, he can, he's perfectly good at that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I can sort of contribute, He's you know, and, and do all the things that a staff writer needs to do. Uh, and so that's why like having something like this, like the Disney program, which is, you know, a staffing program, a lot of times it's very sort of staffing intensive, even if, even if that's not, you know, guaranteed, it, it's, it's really sort of night and day when I have conversations with with showrunners, it's like, yeah, but I was in this program, and then then it's like, oh, you are a viable sort of like entity in a in a room now. Oh wow, that's a huge deal. That's really interesting. Um, can you guys kind of take us back if to to the day that you guys got accepted? Can you just kind of walk us through what that kind of first day looked like, and then on top of that, what your day to day in the program started to look like after that? Well, I actually don't remember my first day of the program. I fully blacked out because I was so nervous. So Adrian can go and then I'll do the other ones. <laughs> and you guys, you two didn't know each other prior to the program. Uh, no. Okay. There was a like a, a big interview, three-day interview thing that, that we did. So we sort of like met each other, seen each other. You mean as part of the application process? As part of the application process, yeah. Yeah, the, the application process is pretty involved. Wait, let's go back then and talk about that. I thought it was just samples and ri writing essays. What's the other bit? There's how many? There was like... There, there, like over 2,000 people applied to this program. Wow. Yes. And then, and then they whittle it down um, to, I, I mean, I guess a couple of hundred for semis. And then, and then the first sort of... Uh, the first semis is, I don't know, maybe like 50 people or something. And... And that's a phone call, and you so you have this really long sort of uh, phone call with. They ask you these essay questions that you're supposed to have great answers for off the cuff. <laughs> you didn't know the phone call was coming. We didn't know when the phone call oh, was coming. Okay. They gave us like a two week time period, and they were like, "Was this the same for you, Allison?" No, like, I don't know what you're talking about. I had mine was scheduled. What? I. Yeah, you've been had. I this didn't happen to me. We scheduled it. I got to like get my. I this is another thing, by the way. When I said how many, Adrian, I wasn't trying to be like pretentious. Like, so how many people applied? I meant how many interviews did we have? Because I oh. don't. It was many. Yeah, and I think what well, Adrian. Sorry, just a quick side note. Um, there was the for the semifinalist interview. There's two separate. Um, there's you. You either do a video call that's scheduled or a phone call, and I don't really know what the difference between those two are other than, you know, up to however they're going to do it. So mine was different. Oh, so you had a video call? I had a video call with Liz. I did not. Adrian had a, a random, terrifying phone call, it sounds like. Well, mine was, and, and, and it, we don't know if they still do it this way or not, but mine was like, we're going to call you at some point in this two-week period. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> so if you get uh, either, like, an 818 number or an unknown number that could be us so i was literally answering every car warranty uh, uh phone call i could get like <laughs> like is this a trick is this really the call um and um uh and then eventually it came i was i was like doing something at the time but i was like oh this is it this is it. so i hid away in uh in a little corner and then had this had this phone call I was like, I was like half out of breath, trying to find a hiding spot. Like, this is, what the, 
Wow, your experiences are thing. so different. <laughs> so Allison different. had a latte. She was chilling. <laughs> I had a latte. I did have a latte. And I took over one of the writer's offices. And I was just like, hey. Like, it was my office. It wasn't. Yeah, no, that didn't happen to me. That's so traumatic. Sorry, Adrian. We never talked about this. So then you had your first phone interview. Did you have an additional couple phone interviews before you got in? After the that that round, uh, then it was a couple more weeks, and then they're like, okay, you got into the finals. And then the finals is about like 25 people or so, 25, 26 people, something like that. And um, and then that's like a big interview. That, three that was days. Three days, yeah. Why is it three days? It's like Hell Week. I've never did drama, but I always was jealous of all the drama kids talking about Hell Week. And sounds so like, like a fun bonding experience. Ours wasn't bo- like a bonding experience, but it was th- over three days and it in was the very woods. hard. It, it was in the woods. Stop yeah. It. Um, no, stop. Um, <laughs> it's Disney. I will believe anything. <laughs> I know. Why well, cut to us getting sued? But no, it was it was at the it was at the studio. And it was over three days within a one week time period, and it was just three different types of interviews. So three different types, meaning three different kinds of executives, three different. What do you mean types? Uh, the first one was just like kind of an intro meet and greet with just the people who are in the program or who who are running the program and who and the people who are applying. So we just kind of went around the room and been like, hi, you know, I'm this and like, tell us something about yourself. I, that one I thought I did the worst on. Same. And then the next day was a, a bigger sort of uh, meet and greet with a bunch of executives from all over uh, Disney verse. Uh, and stuff and there was a there was a there was like a kind of a a breakfast type thing or whatever and so we did again like a lot of intros and stuff and then we were basically like sent out into the wild like talk to execs and they you know I think they wanted to observe us too is it that horrible thing where they like okay like go go network in a room there's not like tables where you're supposed to sit and talk to them it's just like here's a party go it's exactly right oh those are so terrible yeah they threw the threw the bone out into the middle of the thing and then (laughs) all the writers ravenously like trying to now yeah so but there was the good thing about that though is that there was a lot of executives so we weren't necessarily like you know uh uh trying to outdo each other or whatever so there was plenty of people to talk to uh, in other words i have a question on that and this is this is not a judgmental question it's more of like like uh where is the constructive criticism question did you see anyone crash and burn in that process like did anyone go up to an exec and just clearly crash and burn and how I thought Allison did. I, I thought I, I did. Okay, I knew you were going to go there. And I, I was going to say, I saw my ass crash and burn. Because, like, I I just, you know, a part of that is, you know, if we, we were lucky enough to meet, like, Disney Channel X there, Adrian's laughing. And at the time, they were like, what's, you know, some show that you're watching? And I horrified them, at those who remain unnamed, and I was like, well, I love Euphoria. I think it's so gritty and da-da-da-da. And they're like, Oh, okay. Um, Like they wanted to leave, but couldn't. Like, you know, it just, I think um, I was so anxious at the first half of it that I um, wasn't adjusting myself to who I was talking to. Like maybe I could have said Raven's Home is a sweet show. Like, I, you know, I, but I was like, you know, all these HBO shows. Shows that are not on Disney. Right. Gotcha. Or that they probably, that they didn't like. For me, that was, that was how I um, crashed and burned. um. But second of all, just to that, like, um, you know, you also just got to say 
what's true, you know, like if that's what you're watching and that's what you're really into, whatever, you know, like, so if you're not, then, then, then that's what you were doing. I mean, you might not be right for whatever, if, if you're having that big a disconnect with somebody, then maybe you're just not right for whatever their, uh, whatever's on their, uh, docket. Yeah. Yeah, because here's the thing: you're gonna say some kid show on Disney Channel, and then they're gonna staff you on that kid show on Disney Channel, and you're gonna be fucked because you don't give a shit about that <laughs> show on the Disney Channel, and you're gonna be actually miserable, even though you may be making your rent. So yeah, I agree with you, Adrian. Yeah, you're gonna be like, "Where are all the ravens?" I'm just totally confused by this, <laughs> yeah. by the premise this is of like this a show. Fantasy show about <laughs> raven shapeshifters. Yeah, <laughs> just waiting for her to shapeshift the whole time. I wish I knew what show you guys were talking about. <laughs> well, that whole process sounds absolutely terrible. And that was only your second interview. So you had a third on the third day. That oh, was what? Yeah. It, and also, we should say it was just really hard. It wasn't terrible. Like, I, Oh, I no, that's, like that's me as... editorializing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> this is me scared of um, Lord Mouse listening. Um, I uh, It was hard. It was just a lot, you know, to happen in one week. And then... The third day, um, you were to pitch a show within ABC Network, um, like an episode of it. They also were going to ask you a lot of other questions about your background, what you have to bring to the program, etc. But without specifics. All we knew going into it was it was going to be an interview with us on the hot seat and us being able to pitch an entire episode um, to them of one of their shows. That sounds like a nightmare. Oh, and wait, and we had like a time limit, which we'll, we'll leave undisclosed, but it was a short time limit. Again, blacked out. I just, uh, not a joke that I'm making repeatedly. I don't remember. And one of the ladies saw me who was in the room uh, for my pitch. And she saw me as I was leaving the bathroom and I saw her. And she was like, I was just so anxious for you the whole time. I don't think you took a breath the entire time. I can't believe you got it all done. (laughs) And I was like, I was like, I didn't get in. I have to go call my mom. (laughs) Like, I, it was, it was, I thought it was over. Sounds like a fucking reality show. Like, yeah, a little bit. They're putting you through the ringer. It's like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Yeah. But you really earn it. That's why, like, yeah. I get so mad when people say, like, oh, you have a leg up because you were in the industry and that's why they chose you. Like, you have to go mm-hmm. through so much. Your career before doesn't actually matter that much. Yeah. It's about how you do in the interview process and interview week, um, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you're vetted like crazy. Like, like crazy. Yeah. yeah. So talk about then after this terrible rigmarole, congratulations for getting through that and surviving in life, let alone through the program. Talk about what your day-to-day was once you actually started the program. Well, uh, I guess I'll take the first day since uh, Allison doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) No memory. I I can understand that, though, because it is a lot. Like, you know, we're, you know, at least I was, I guess Allison was too, just deer in headlights, like, you know, the whole time everything's sort of being thrown at us they're telling us you know what uh you know what's going to happen and it's like still don't completely completely understand what all <laughs> what what uh all this sort of means they're going through the schedule and and everything like that and you're also kind of like meeting people for the first time and by that point i guess we we knew each other you know because we'd done like a picture day and uh and uh, like Disney orientation day kind of stuff. So we kind of knew each other, but we also like, I don't know, it was a lot, you know, to sort of go into this thing that's like a career maker and be like, this is, you know, the the next step of, <laughs> it's like, it's like, yeah, like sort of going into camp or something, you know, it's, you know, it's, it was exciting, but very, very nerve wracking. And uh, it's, 
all sort of like the first week or so is kind of a, a jumble. <laughs> and I should add, we didn't have like a super traditional experience in the program, obviously, because we had this during pandemic. So we were in person for about six weeks. So we know up until that six week mark, how our day to day was, but, uh, you know, alumni before us would, you know, it was obviously very different, but I just remember from, I'll say my first week, because no, again, no memory of the first day, but first week it w- that I, it was a very well-oiled machine that I was joining and I just felt like, I really hope I can keep up. I hope that they don't kick me out because they're like, oh, we've made a huge mistake. Can you exit stage left? Don't make any noise. You know, I, I was very concerned about that um, because it was such a big deal. And, you know, so many people there had a much more interesting background than me, I thought. And so I was very insecure about that. And um, I realized it wasn't just going to be, I guess in my mind, I thought of it as like a, a fun writing workshop. Like we were all together in like this cool kids college class and it wasn't, it's a much more involved um, program than that. And I remember panicking cause I'm a one trick pony. I'm only good at writing. And I was like, it's going to come out. They're going to ask me to leave the whole time the whole first week. I was like, they're going to ask me to leave. I wonder if I can get my old job back, you know, and <laughs> that was my impression of the first week. Like, oh, they know exactly what they're doing. I hope that I can keep up and I'm not kicked out. Allison's putting a lot of that on herself, but I think that that is kind of, uh, I mean, I felt the same way, you know, and, you know, I, I'm, I would imagine maybe even a lot of people did. Uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for the rest of the people in the group, but, uh, but I, I, f- I feel like, you know, everybody knew the, you know, the gravity of like what this means to, to you and your career and, and the, and the, and the year. So, you know, it's, it's, I think a lot of people were like, oh no, they're, they're going to, they're, they're going to show us the door. They're going to realize they made a huge mistake. Like what's the point or the goal of the program? Yeah. If it's, if it's not a writing program or sort of a writing workshop, what is it? It is part writing workshop, but it's a lot of, it's, Absolutely, like abling you as a writer to fully understand how you can advocate for yourself in this industry, particularly while you're in the program with the network that you have at your fingertips, network meaning Walt Disney Television Empire, and also how you can make the most of your writing and rework what you know about writing and to making your writing efficient. So when a showrunner, um, like Tasha, you were talking about going through scripts and being like, this person immediately has a voice. I know who this person is. How do you get there? Because, you know, a lot of us, most of us um, weren't there, admittedly. And so that was definitely something we learned in um, rewriting. But also it was, you know, how are you going to Um, make the most of your generals? How are you going to get to that showrunner interview? How are you going to pitch yourself for a show if it's not the show you were expecting to be pitched for, or excuse me, put up for? Um, So yeah, it was, it was more of a full experience than just a writing workshop. Yeah. And yeah, there's a lot of like, you know, how to find things in shows that you can pitch towards, you know, yourself towards kind of thing. Uh, you know, if it's not the main character, maybe it's the side character, you know, a lot of, a lot of that kind of stuff. And also kind of, there was some general entertainment industry stuff, you know, kind of, you know, just basic sort of classes that we, that we would take just to kind of have an idea. There was some uh, stuff on like uh, uh, being able to sort of brand yourself and, and all that. And then one of the bigger sort of elements that we did was kind of a mock uh, writer's room. So we had a, a, um, a writer come in, an established writer, and and we would all sort of work on our projects individually, but as but together, you know. So we were all working on our own scripts, but 
we would all know each other's scripts and so it, it would be it was sort of a makeshift writer's room that we would work out so we get both the experience of of a room and also have a new script sorry so you'd have like a showrunner level person come in and then one of you would bring in your scripts like per week or something and you would work it in the room is that what you mean yeah um so we would take it sort of like this week we're working on act one with Allison's script and next week we're working on you know act everybody everybody would be on act one but we're going to concentrate on Allison's script and then the next week is act two or whatever you know with mine oh interesting that's yeah. cool in a writer's room environment so people are throwing out ideas of how to make act two better and that's really interesting because I do think a big thing, a big like kind of learning curve for someone who's never been in a writer's room to someone who is in a writer's room is what does the pitch process look like? And what is working with other people look like? What does it look like to listen to someone and add to their idea versus compete against their idea? And these are all things you don't know until you're in the room. So it's fantastic that that was part of the process. And when you talk about like these classes that you're taking on, for example, you said how to pitch. So if you go up to a showrunner, and you may not love like a lot of the show, but you really love that side character. And so you pitch to that side character, as you said. So who kind of who kind of taught you how to do that? Were they classes that executives were teaching, that writers were teaching? What did that look like? It was more um, of us really understanding how to tap into our backstories. And like that would be like a lot of the times one on one with different people who were on the writing program team and working with us like. Like, for example, I am of Mixed Heritage and also a huge fan of the show Mixed Dish. So I was like, I am going to get on Mixed Dish. Spoiler alert, I did not. And so I was, that was what I was so focused on. They wanted to take that um, sort of thinking out of it. Like, what if at the time Single Parents was on? What if Single Parents was like, we want to try, you know, bring her in for a staffing interview? I can't be caught with, well, I mean, I... I think I'm not gonna be good for that show. They want you to understand, okay, I, you know, watch a lot of the show, do your research on the show, and let's talk about your background. Throw out there, like, what's something that you could relate to with one of the characters in the show? Now, what about a storyline? Now, what about a background? So there were different people on the team who would work with us on that, but we'd, it would be in a group setting. It wouldn't just be, like, one-on-one -on -one intense, you know, coaching um yeah. And, and also like a lot of it was up to us. They weren't telling us what to say. It was an exercise in using that muscle that none of us had really used it up until that point. Um, because a lot of us were focused on getting on certain shows, working with certain showrunners. And as all of us know, you know, as working writers, you don't get to do that almost ever until you're, you know, super famous or whatever. Does that all make sense? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And then you said you went up to six weeks before you had the pandemic hit and you had to go all Zoom. Did this kind of continue over Zoom or um, you said it's a whole year long program? Did, was the second half more um, sort of like sending you out into the world and, and meeting showrunners and taking actual generals? What did that look like? How did they break it up? You know, obviously everything kind of you know, there was a, a, a big period where we're trying to figure it out, you know, how do we make this, uh, continue this program? Because we had a lot of things scheduled. I think the day after, uh, you know, everything kind of shut down, we were supposed to meet with a bunch of Fox executives in a big uh, meet and greet uh, kind of thing. 
and uh, obviously we couldn't do that. You know, it was like the oh we'll, we'll reschedule for two weeks mm-hmm. <laughs> or whatever <laughs> that everybody I think went through. So, but so then after a while, when we figured we're we're going to be doing this, then we would try to do uh, things on on Zoom, um, and uh, so we were able to have some um, some like meet and greets and stuff like that, but uh, n- probably not too the extent and also you know at that point that's when all the shows were that was the the start of the sort of traditional development season or sorry staffing season and there was none you know as you know so so it really sort of threw a monkey wrench into uh in into the plans and so i think in the past and i don't know allison if you know from different experiences i think people went out for a lot more things oh yeah where it was a little bit more of a free for all, like, you know, but, and, and now it was more of a directed, like, okay, we don't have time to sort of like do everybody go for, uh, you know, whatever show. And we're just going to try to pinpoint who's going to be right for this and, and, and try to try to nail that down. So it was only like two or three people to go. Because of the because of the pandemic there, you know, basically the week that we were supposed to be getting ready to like get our scripts out and everything, everything shut down. It was like the worst time for Hollywood, arguably ever. And so everything shut down. And we were like, oh, I guess we're just gonna be chilling the rest of the year in the program. And so, um, the you know, our to our boss's credit, like really worked hard to get a lot of us in front of um, people who were not at all planning to hire outside writers because you know you guys know when you're working on a new project with people you want to work with someone that you trust in especially if it's in this time so we were all like well we're the year that it didn't work out you know we'll live to tell the tale but um they did the best that they could for us with uh given everything moving to zoom so we continued our writers rooms on zoom finishing them up and we did a couple of meet and greets and then whatever generals we could you know to the credit of the executives at the networks that we were affiliated with, they, you know, they kept generals with us on Zoom. And, you know, that's all we do now. It sounds funny. But um, yeah, the, that was such a weird thing a year ago before it was like, let's get a coffee at Starbucks. You know, now it's like, I'm yeah. wearing pajama bottoms, and I don't know what else to say. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, that actually brings up a question for me. Did you guys get paid for the program? Do they actually give you a stipend for the year? Or are you also having to work another job while doing this program? So the program is full time. Um, and so you do you can't really do another job at the same time because you, there is a lot going on and you have to sort of be ready for staffing at really any moment in, in a traditional year, especially when there's no there's no COVID of it all. Um, and so you were paid week. We were paid weekly. If you are, which this is great for, um, you know, it's not normal for staff writers to get paid for their scripts if they're not freelance. And as far as I know from the WGA, Adrian, please interrupt me if I'm wrong. But um, because we're not paid through the WGA for this program, we're paid through Walt Disney Television or ABC. We um, were get, we were able to get paid for the scripts if we were lucky enough to get a script um, and get staffed. So yeah, it's full time though. You can't do another job at the same time. Sort of talking about post-program stuff now, do you guys feel like, hey, Allison, did you end up getting a manager and or agent after this because of it? Um, yes, I did. I got super lucky and I um, I will say I did not get it because of them. I got it. It absolutely helped. Like I, The way that I describe to people is like, 
whenever you're trying to get a good agent or a good manager, you go into a slush pile um, unless someone's in your face and saying, you really need to give this person a read. Obviously, everything is virtual for us right now. And so being in the program helped me definitely move up in the slush pile. Like it was that is, you know, definitely a huge part of the program. And because I was able and lucky enough to staff while I was in the program, that also helped get me on the map. Also, but it was actually um, through contacts that I had when I was an assistant years and years ago, which just goes to show you, um, be kind to everyone because you have no idea who's going to help you uh, later. But yeah, I got, I hired managers at the end of my contract with the show I was writing on. Well, I guess that kind of answers my next question is, do you guys feel like being in the program really helps your agents and your your managers kind of sell you kind of able to leverage the program as making you shiny and new and definitely viable writers to hire do you feel like that has really helped your managers and and agents sell you but also just your career in general i mean definitely like i mean i didn't get staffed but just having that you know on my resume saying that i got into this really sort of prestigious program uh that's you know, again, goes through this whole process of people like narrowing it down and all this kind of stuff and, and people who know all that and, you know, uh, and know how hard it is to get into it. Like it's it's definitely sort of a uh, piques somebody's interest. I would say it absolutely has helped me with getting um, generals because it's sort of like a badge of honor to go through the program because it is so tough and it's tough to get into. And, you know, it's sort of everybody's on the same level when you're in it. Nobody, everybody has to go through the exact same things for the most part. And so um, there is definitely a level of respect like, oh, you did a year in the program. That's great. So in my experience so far, it's not been that far out, but it's it's helped with generals for sure. When did you guys technically graduate the program? (laughs) Uh, a couple months ago. <laughs> How long ago? February, February, early February. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're in April now. So that was in February. All right. What do you guys feel like was the promise of the program, which we talked about at the earlier part of the podcast versus what you felt like ended up getting delivered by the end? Because as I said, I I feel like, like they guarantee you staffing, which obviously they can't do. But what did you feel like was the promise versus delivery? I would say, like, even though they can't promise you staffing, there is a sort of heavy, like, you know, they, you know, constantly sort of, uh, sort of bring up the fact that everyone has gotten staffed in the last 10 years, except me. Because you're that special, Adrian. Also says says the successful writer before he got on, literally. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's actually a really good point. Is like there's, you know, it goes back to sort of no expectations of, you know, of success or whatever. You know, if you sort of, you know, broke down the stats or whatever of everybody going in and you saw that like, oh, this one guy has all these movies and stuff like that, he'll probably, you know, end up somewhere. I was not. Other people who are who are young or just graduate and stuff, they they got into shows and they're thriving, you know. And 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 it's, you know, it's just how this sort of all all works out. And um, uh, so, yeah, I, I guess one thing is like you come in thinking this is like the golden ticket, and you sort of uh, by the end kind of reevaluate like how what you got out of it you know, uh, for me, and I got a ton out of it, even though I didn't necessarily get, you know, that, that one extra thing, but, you know, I got a ton of great meetings, great sort of like accomplices and sort of (laughs) companions. Accomplices. (laughs) You know, we, yeah, we, we rob banks. 
<laughs> now. So. How many other people are in the program? Not including us, 11. So 13 total. Okay, very small group from the 2000. Yes, yeah, yeah. they're big now. And Allison, you got staffed, is that right? Yes, I was lucky enough to get staffed on Call Your Mother, an ABC Multicam that's new. Um, so I think from the program, my impression of what I learned in the first week was it's not just about getting that strong writing sample and getting you staffed. It's about learning how to really advocate for yourself as a writer and learn who you are as a writer and how that can inform any staffing experience that is put in front of you. I never ever in a million years thought I would have staffed on a multicam because I just don't think I thrive in a joke room or I didn't think I would. And I ended up having a great experience on the show was not at all what I expected, but that was something that the program gave me. Like I felt ready to go in there because of everything that I had gone through in the work and, you know, really learning about how to take hold of my backstory and apply it to anything, you know, not just writing for other people or knowing how to write a really good spec to get attention from the showrunner. Um, writing was honestly almost secondary. And so in that sense, they definitely um, delivered. And I feel very happy too that I was able to take all of those generals. They off they said, you know, you're going to get to meet a lot of people. That was something that uh, is invaluable. I think almost on the same level as staffing, the exposure to to all the executives, um, you know, showrunners, people that you get to meet in these little, these meet and greets. Um, that is, I don't know that that's going to happen again in, in my life unless I become Shonda Rhimes, which fingers crossed. But that to me is, <laughs> um, was, I was so happy about that. It was tough because, you know, we're, we're telling you that they're giving us all these classes and, you know, we had a writer's room and all that, but it's ultimately up to us. Just like you, you know, as any working writer, you can be given all of the tools, but you have to know what to do with it. You have to be your number one advocate. Other people are not thinking about you. You're the only one thinking about yourself, even your managers. Yes, absolutely. They're, you know, putting you out for things, but like, you have to know, like, you have to keep the hustle. Like you can't just depend on other people, even in the program and out of the program. We talk about that all the time. But also I think something that's so interesting about what you're talking about is another thing we talk about all the time, which is that in film school, they don't teach you this stuff. Like the stuff that you're talking about, everything you just gave off of what they're teaching you is all stuff you only get from working in the industry, working with other people who are working in the industry. And the fact that there's a program out there that's actually teaching you how to use your backstory to pitch yourself, how to use it to help your, yourself pitch in a room and write for different shows is absolutely fantastic and not something you get at film school. So that is wonderful to hear that it's a program that's helping you at such a like foundational level versus a superficial just trying to you know throw you in a room somewhere, which ultimately is great. That gets you a job, but may not necessarily change your life if you're not also changing all the other things underneath it. I mean, it really is like grad school and I never went to film school, so it certainly could be similar, but I absolutely felt like I was in grad school the entire time and, you know, everything was a test to see, you know, am I going to be able to take this outside, you know, of the program and not just while I'm in the program and do really well and then be a sitting duck when I leave and say, well, I was in the program. How come no one's approaching me? No, you just have to keep going, keep going, keep going. And also I do want to say one thing because it really bums me out. You know, I have... Adrian and I both talked to a lot of people who want to apply for the program. I hate when people think you have to have industry experience to apply for this program. I was lucky enough to have it before, but a lot of people in our class and in the classes before didn't have it. So 
when we say grad school, this is absolutely somebody like we had someone in our group who was in um, marketing before this, someone who wasn't even in the industry. So absolutely apply because it is sort of like, you know, a grad school where you learn we those simulation rooms. That's a terrible way to put that. Um, but those rooms that we had, a lot of people had to learn room etiquette. A lot of people had to learn how to not talk over another pitch, how to convey your pitch and not think out loud, you know, and take up everybody's room. They had to, they had to learn how to do that. And so, um, absolutely everybody who has a hustle and who has their scripts and their shit ready should apply and not just people who have a hand in the industry or whatever. Cause that bums me out when people don't apply cause they think they're not going to get in as cause they're not an assistant. And also let me, let me add on to that. You know, Allison said earlier that she didn't think she had an interesting story and, and all that stuff you know, that's not true. You know, <laughs> you just have to sort of like figure out, A, I know Allison's story is interesting and because I've heard it <laughs> many, many times. <laughs> but um, but I, I, I was the same way too. It's like, if you get this idea of like, because you live something, it's not that interesting, but then you tell it to somebody else and they're like, whoa, really? What? You know? And so, uh, you know, something that this uh, program does a lot is helping you figure out like oh what uh, wh what somebody else could sort of like um, spark to uh, that 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 is sort of like you know background to you. Yeah, that's awesome advice. I guess my final question really is just what general advice do you guys have for other writers who want to apply? I mean, you kind of did it freely a little bit there, Allison, but uh, as people who are hearing this podcast and do want their lives changed and sort of don't know how to get into the industry, what advice do you have for them to apply to this program? I just was just talking to someone who's like, I don't think I can do it. I don't. And I'm like, don't say that. Like, you know, I, I, I think that uh, my advice would be, you need to have all of your scripts ready. You need to make the script, the screenwriting, writing your pilots, that should be a muscle that you exercise every single day. You can maybe take one day off, but then you need to be watching something that inspires that writing muscle to be used the very next day. Because if you're not writing all the time, you're not, you, you're, there's no reason you should be a writer, honestly, because that's what it is. It's constantly writing. It's constantly having projects in front of you. I am in the middle, whenever I'm writing a pilot, I never let myself get comfortable. I'm always like, okay, here's the seed of an idea for after I'm finished with this pilot. So I always have something next. So when you're applying to this program, that should be the mode that you're in. Have your scripts ready. You know, you can love or hate writing, but if you're writing all the time, then you should apply to this program. It doesn't really matter what career that you're in. Um, it matters that you know yourself and that your writing is informed by your life, um, regardless of what genre it is, and that you're writing all the time and that you have your shit ready. If, you know, whenever you go to apply, you're not trying to whip up a pilot or whip up a spec, whatever they're asking for now. Do you feel like the age matters? You mentioned someone was in marketing, so presumably they had another career. Could you be 50 years old and looking to retire? And I'm not about to out anybody's age, um, but I will say we definitely, in the past programs and in our program, we had all ages. We had someone who was almost 50 and we had someone who was fresh out of college, which I was like, are you actually kidding me? But they were incredible. They were incredible <laughs> writers. I was, and I'm, you know, like not 
you know, I haven't been out of college that, that long, but I was like, you just grad, like you just, like you have like tagged <laughs> pictures of you on Facebook in your graduation gown, like from like on your timeline. I, I can't, but they were great. <laughs> they knew how to sell themselves and they were, they had great pilot. Yeah. That go that goes back to like how they try to curate the group. You know, they, they, they get all ages, you know, they, they try to find people that can work well together and sort of like, and, you know, complement each other and, and, and all that. So, so yeah, any sort of age is, is appropriate. Adrian, uh, do you have any final advice for writers? Uh, I guess I would say, uh, write when you feel like it, <laughs> uh, just relax. I hate you. Yeah. <laughs> this is the end of our friendship. You're watching it unfold on this podcast. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. Um, apply for the program. Just if you have, hopefully you have scripts, you know, that, that are, are, are good or whatever. And obviously like Allison is saying, like, you have to keep on writing. You got to build that skill because there is, I think, I think that there's a certain sort of threshold that they look for of writing skill, you know, and beyond that, they're looking at personal story. And, and so if you, if you get that and then you really sort of nail in your, uh, your, your personal story and your, and your voice. And, uh, like Allison was saying, and like your, um, your, your perspective, what you want to say, you know, what's important to you, then that's the stuff that really lands on their radar. And you don't have to have a go to, gone to film school. You don't have to, I've never taken a screenwriting course in my life. I learned everything through watching way too much TV and really loving the shows and trying to literally writing on a pen and paper, what is this character like? What is this through line with this character? And finding scripts online and trying to emulate the style that way. So any way you can get it together, doesn't really matter. I love that. That's awesome advice. All right, guys, I'm going to take us out with our quote of the day. When you do a writing job for a studio, one of the things you want to do is satisfy the expectations of your employer. That's a little bit different than when you sit down and write something to satisfy yourself because then you're the employer, the Coen brothers. All right, please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. Or me, Josh, at Josh Hallman on Instagram and Joshua Hallman on Twitter. And Allison and Adrian are not on any of the social medias, so <laughs> you cannot follow them. Not on an interesting <laughs> way. Don't bother. <laughs> it's, don't bother. Uh, as always, guys, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist. Music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. <laughs> <laughs>